Informed Dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics, with Dr. Jeff Barkey, board-certified primary care physician, and Dr. Mark McDonald, board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. Well, Mark, great to be with you again on another episode of Informed Dissent on all the usual podcast networks, including Apple Podcasts. How are you doing? It's been a long time. It has been a long time. Yeah, really. It's long been a time. it's been a couple of weeks since we recorded together. Fortunately, we put together some podcasts before that have been released. Uh, but great to be with you. Update us. I know you've been traveling. You went to an education conference out in Florida. I know you and Dr. McCullough presented, and uh, sound, sounds like you had a great time there. Well, we had a lot of great speakers. You know, Peter McCullough was there. So was uh, Ben Carson, um, Governor Ron DeSantis, uh, Ryan Cole. Uh, John Littell. There were 2,000 people there and they were all homeschoolers. So we were kind of preaching to the choir. Very, very nice group of people. Um, One thing I did notice, though, which was disturbing, is that the problems that we live in and face in California are are in Florida, too. A lot of people talk about Florida as this free state. And I saw at least half of the people at the airport in Orlando were wearing masks, some of them wearing two masks, including the staff and the tourists. About a quarter of the people working at the hotel were wearing masks. Um, it's it's something that's been on my mind for a long time. This idea of you know, do you stay and fight or do you leave and and try to find refuge somewhere else? And I still contend that if you if you abandon where you are uh, and you let it fall, that it's just going to follow you to wherever you go. And I think a lot of people in Florida um, may not have as much time as they think uh, because Florida isn't a nation and it. It, it reflects the rest of the country just as much as other states. You do have a strong governor there, so I think that they can they can take refuge. But in the long run, um, I, I really think the country really has to make a decision uh, in one direction or another. And uh, I see problems in Buffalo, New York. I see problems in Orlando. I'm going to be in Columbus in a few days. I'll see what it's like up there. But I, I think that these um, these kind of, as Peter McCullough said when he was on stage talking, he said, these accepting of absurd practices and the accepting of a lot of assumptions that are not really grounded in reality has become the norm. And it's become the norm throughout the entire country. Uh, it's, it's really spreading more, fa- more quickly than an actual virus. Well, you're right, Mark, and it's not unique to COVID. Uh, this has been spreading, this Marxism has been spreading in our country for a generation now. And we're seeing it normalized. We see examples, and I was going to bring it up to you. There's an article that just came out yesterday. There was a a UK, United Kingdom bike race. And it was won by these two guys claiming to be girls. And there's the podium where the first place, second place, and third place winner are standing. The third place winner is this this, uh, lovely looking petite woman and she's holding this young child, must be about three or four years old, in her arms. Uh, the child comes up to mom after the race, and she's holding and nurturing this child. And then on the winner's podium and the second place podium are these enormous uh, men who are claiming to be women. And they get the prize, and they lean to each other, and they, they kiss each other on the lips. And somehow everybody is accepting this as normal. So this, is not, this has nothing to do with COVID. Right. This is not covid related. This is not lockdown mask related, vaccine related. This is the normalcy of aberrant behavior that has been accepted by way too many. And the problem is, if people like you, you or I shake our head and say, wait, wait, what? No, this is not accepted. 
then we're called homophobic, transphobic, whatever phobic. Uh, we're doxxed. Uh, we're called out. Our practices are beat up. Uh, people that uh, come to us are attacked. And it's, it's easier because we're used to this. It's easier just to say nothing. It's easier just to be quiet and mind our own business while the left doesn't mind their own business. And they expand and they spread. And you're right, it's not just crazy California. Um, it is throughout the country. I have friends that, a lot of friends that have now moved to Texas. And although there are more like-minded people in Texas, there are plenty of craziness going on there as well. Whether yeah. you have, remember last year in Texas, they had these ice storms. And as a result of these leftist policies that implemented um, uh, windmills and solar panels, the grid in much of te Texas completely shut down because the windmills stopped spinning, the sun wasn't shining, so all of a sudden there was no electricity. So these progressive policies have taken over, not just about COVID. COVID has brought it to light like never before, in particular in the medical industry and the educational industry, but the, this has been going on for a long time. As you know, of course, you and I both live in California. I'm in Orange County. You're up in L.A. Uh, my wife and I have been battling the education front and the healthcare front, and and we're going to stay. I know a lot of people are leaving, but we're going to stay, and we're going to stay for a couple of reasons. One is, as I look outside as we speak, it's about 70 degrees outside right now in, in the early evening with beautiful blue skies. So that's one reason why we stay, because the weather is just absolutely gorgeous. It is arguably the finest weather on planet Earth here in Southern California. Uh, plus, where, where are we going to go? Am I going to go to Florida and do what there exactly? So just continue the fight in Florida or look for a pocket of like-minded people where I can just bury myself in leisure and, and rest and, and no longer wage war. The reality is I was put on this earth not to be comfortable uh, and not to live a life of luxury, but literally to make a difference and stand up and make a difference. And we had Memorial Day. We have D-Day. We have reminders of all those that sacrificed, died, and fought for America, for the idea of America, for this idea of self-governance, and we're losing it quickly. And so as long as I've got a breath left, I'm going to continue to stand and fight, and I'll do so right here in my hometown in Orange County, California. I feel the same way. I wrote about this, I think, last week in my Substack account, where I essentially said just what you did, that the medical pandemic is really just a symptom of a larger problem. And I called it the virus of the new communism. Yeah. It really is like the old communism, except it comes in an app. It comes through a delivery service that brings you your cappuccino and charges you $20 for it. Uh, it, it comes in a very pretty package, but it comes nevertheless to the same end, which is poverty, famine, imprisonment, loss of liberties, and government takeover. And that's been the case throughout the entire 20th century. And I see examples of this sprouting up all across the country. The energy problem you mentioned in Texas is one. The school system collapse with indoctrination and the normalization of pedophilia and racism and anti-American sentiment is another. So is the destruction of the independent medical system where private physicians are no longer really allowed to practice. They're all forced to become government uh, employees or employees of large corporations that serve the government. Another is security. Uh, we know just in the last two to three days, 
the politicization of the Uvalde school shooting by the Democrats and the Biden administration, which are now using that as an excuse and a rationale to completely disarm the entire population, along with Justin Trudeau in Canada, who wants to remove all handguns from sale and purchase, essentially, ultimately from circulation. And, and Biden wants to do the same thing to ban the nine millimeter round, which is the most common round of ammunition in the entire country, perhaps in the world, as well as all semi-automatic pistols and all rifles. You just ha would have a license to go shooting quail and that would be it while they retain all of the weapons of their bodyguards to protect themselves. Uh, this goes on and on and on. It's not just about limiting your ability to breathe freely or to resist forced shots. You know, down in Orange County, or in, in L.A. County, rather, we have a fake doctor named Barbara Ferrer who runs the L.A. County um, Public Health Department, and she's appointed by the L.A. County Board of Supervisors. She's now indicating that at the end of June, she wants to reinstate the universal indoor mask mandate for all of L.A. County citizens and residents, 9 million people. Why? Because cases are rising, meaning more people are getting asymptomatic colds, just like they do every few months and have for about, I don't know, 10,000 years. Th this, is, this is all part of a larger plan, and I believe it is coordinated and intentional for those who have power and money to reconsolidate more power and more money at the expense of the people and ultimately remove all of their liberties and force them to become dependent on a larger state. And if my view is if largely speaking, Americans don't see that, if they don't see that as the big, the big war, then we will end up losing more than just our medical rights. We're going to lose everything. And that's going to be nationwide. That's not going to be LA, San Francisco and Florida will be sort of protected. It's going to go all over the country. So if, if you, see that and you agree with that, then you really should fight where you are rather than just sort of congregate in one little safe haven somewhere and just wait for the hordes to come over the walls. No question. And to our, and to our listeners, um, what's your advice? How does somebody fight? How, how do they stay and fight? What, what is the mechanism that you recommend? Well, I spoke last week in LA for the first time publicly, locally, outside, you know, not, not outside of the state, to the Los Angeles Conservative Club. And this was founded in 2016 by Simone Gold, who we both know well and who has relocated to Florida and is doing work there. It's now been taken over by her successor, but the principles remain the same. They're fighting for conservative values and freedoms in L.A., and it's a political organization to support policies and candidates who actually um, wish to uh, further uh, the causes that we all support. Uh, the, the official name of the club is the Beverly Hills Conservative Club, not the Los Angeles Conservative Club. And I said to them that my view has changed in the last two years on how you fight. And I used to believe when, when I first started and we flew to Washington and stood on the Supreme Court steps that we needed to change things from the top. This was when Trump was in office. That did not work. That, that failed miserably. And what I saw after that was this takeover at local, city, county, and state levels of termites, you know, leftist termites who have brought themselves, infested themselves, wormed their way into the cities, the schools, and essentially taken over the roles of the local citizens. And they have no investment in these communities. They're just there to parasitize and leave like locusts. And I said to the group that was listening to the speech, I said, what I think we need to do now is we need to go the other direction. We need to start from the bottom. We need to stay where we are. We need to get on the local city councils, the school boards, just like your wife is doing, running for election 
an elected office, just like Brian Tyson, fellow physician, is doing down in El Centro, just like Ryan Cole in Idaho, also fellow physician, is doing. He's running, they are running in their local cities, counties, and states for offices that they can actually win because they know the people there and the people support them and they're invested in that community because they care about their local elections. They care about their local policies and schools and councils. And if we can get enough people peppered around the country to get these offices, Roxanne Hogue, for example, LA County Board of Supervisors running for that position in LA, if we can get her to take over a seat vacated by Hilda Solis, who's a, a corrupt uh, bureaucrat here in Los Angeles County who's not running for re-election, and we can get new people appointed to, say, the local county health board, which will rescind all of these draconian mandates and actually start to think logically and rationally, that will actually start to percolate up and the basic day-to-day liberties will be returned to us. And then we can start fighting at the higher levels. We can start going to governorships. We can take down the dictator, Gavin Newsom, uh, who is is still living in an unending state of uh, unlimited emergency, just like you know North Korean dictator and uh, Vladimir Putin and Jiang Xiaoping, all the people that are uh, running these corrupt dictatorships around the world. And then eventually we can, hopefully, we can get back the federal government and we can start draining the swamp that, that Trump tried to do and, and failed to do because he didn't get the local support. That's what I think we need to do. I think we need to stay, we need to fight locally, we need to build our way up and then push our way to the top. Yeah, you know, I, I can't agree more. Um, it was really easy and fun seeing Donald Trump get elected president against all odds. And we all sat back for a while and we looked at him as somebody who was going to drain the swamp and save America. And in many regards, he made a, a, a very valiant effort to. But the reality is it's not a politician who's going to save America. And it never was. It wasn't a politician that founded America. It was grassroots, self-governing people back in the day pushing back against British tyranny that wanted to rule them. And once again, we have to rise up with that spirit of the American founding. And it happens at the local level. And it doesn't take a majority. It takes a handful of very active people at a grassroots level. It's the mama bears pulling along their papa bears that unfortunately have been silent during this Marxist takeover. And we're seeing that here in Orange County dramatically. And we're going to see that in our election cycle, both in the primary election and in November. There isn't a seat in Orange County by a Dem that is going uncontested. And there are Republicans everywhere that are activated to run. And most of the people that I see that are running that my wife and I are helping and supporting are people that never in their wildest dream would have imagined running for office. But they're realizing the importance of it. And they're seeing that it's the local offices that make different the difference. School boards in particular. There's been an abandonment of schools in, especially in LA County, also in Orange County. For the first time that I can remember, every single public school district in Orange County, there are 28 independent school districts are seeing a decline in enrollment. While many of the charter schools are seeing an increase in enrollment and homeschooling is exploding. The parents have seen what happens on that Zoom screen and what happens in their schools and they're rising up and they wanna take over. The problem here, is that it needs to be a sustained effort. It can't just simply be one election cycle. It needs to be maintained and sustained. Well, the good news is we've got two more years of, uh, of President Brandon, 
and um, and he will continue to make mistakes. He will continue to muck up the economy. He will continue to be inarticulate and say really stupid things. Uh, and the media will continue to cover him. So that's the good news. We see at least the next couple of years of activity by the grassroots that hopefully will build enough momentum at the grassroots and the local levels that, as you say, this will trickle up, not trickle down. And although I love Ron DeSantis, and I think he's doing fantastic work in Florida, and of course his Surgeon General that is a friend of ours, Dr. Joseph Ladapo, who had a really uh, interesting comment, comment thread that I want to ask you about here in a minute, um, that uh, we, we need Ron DeSantis even to play a bigger role. I don't know if Trump's going to run in 2024. Uh, maybe it'll be Ron DeSantis. I heard Nikki Haley interviewed today by Mark Levin, and she did a wonderful job articulating all the things uh, about how to fix the economy, about how to reverse inflation, about how to regain energy independence, and try to turn this Marxist ship around. And it's going to take some time. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a grind. And the conservatives need to learn how to grind it out day in, day out, consistent effort, over a long period of time. We can't just get activated once in a while. We need to stay engaged. We need to stay involved. And we need to make that effort. We may not win all races. And when we lose the races, we need to redouble our efforts and come back and run again. Run again until we take over all the school boards. Run again until we take over city councils. As you say, the um, the county supervisors race are really important because supervisors um, hire the healthcare directors, and we have a terrible one here in Orange County, and and not to mention what you guys got in LA County, um, and so that's the effort I think it's going to take moving forward through this election cycle. And I hope people that are listening will reach out to us if they need help and they need direction, especially here in Orange County. But we'll stay motivated, get motivated, get involved, join your local Republican club, join your local conservative club. Uh, get involved in any way that you possibly can. And by the way, if you can't get involved, then support us that are getting involved. Support the candidate that wants to run if you don't want to run yourself. And, uh, and, and let's, make it, let's make a difference. I think in a, in a sort of sick way, disaster is on our side. There is no way that we're going to clean up this mess in the next three to six months. It's going to take three to six years. And as long as people who are at the moment, still sheepishly, thoughtlessly, just going down the voting list and putting check marks next to everyone with a D next to their name, those people suffering is the only way at this point, in my opinion, that they are going to wake up. They are not going to be convinced with argumentation or figures or education. I have tried that for two and a half years. It is not successful. It is not. The only way that they're going to see the effects of these Marxist policies is to actually lose things that matter to them. And there is no way around that now. With inflation now officially at 8%, unofficially it's at 40%. 40% inflation, which is one percentage point away from the amount of money, 39% that is currently in circulation, printed by Joe Biden's advisors. 39% increase in monetary supply. That's basically why we have 40% price increases. You can't avoid 40% price increases if you buy something, and everybody in this country spends money. This is not a problem that is going to be solved 
quickly and it can't be avoided any longer and it's probably going to get worse. Everything that I read indicates that we are in for a two to 300% additional price increase in consumer goods in the next three to six months. And that includes food, it includes fuel, fertilizer, everything. We also may see a complete shutdown in the transportation network. I spoke with a retired pilot in Orlando before I spoke with Peter McCullough. He said that, and I looked this up to verify it and it's true, there is a either 12 or 1400 hour drop dead limit issued by the FAA on the number of hours per year that a commercial pilot is authorized to fly. We have lost the most experienced and best trained pilots in the industry because they've retired or they've been fired because they refused to get the mRNA injection or they've died after getting it. The remaining pilots are being asked to work two to three times as many hours as they used to. They're being paid a lot for it, but eventually they're going to hit that limit and they're not going to be able to fly. They're going to be grounded. I had all of my flights canceled on the way back from Orlando at the last minute, all the segments, and I still showed up three hours late with the remainder flights. There were 18 flights at the airport canceled just on American Airlines that day. There were people waiting outside of the bathroom in lines in every single bathroom, 30 to 40 deep. There were 200 people in the special services line. You couldn't push a stroller through the middle of the terminal because people were camped out there. They had been there for 36 hours. This is going to get worse when all the planes stop flying completely. We're not going to have any more flights. I could go on and on and on. But when this happens, there is no more way that anyone who is not clinically psychotic is going to avoid or deny the fact that it is Democrat policies, largely speaking, that have brought us to our knees. And they're going to turn towards the only alternative, which is the Republicans and the conservatives. That is how we're going to win. And it's going to continue year after year after year until it's fixed. Yeah, but let's let's make sure we put masks back on people flying airplanes. That's what the Biden administration is now lobbying, lobbying the court that struck down that uh, TSA rule. And they say, no, we want you to reverse it again so we can mask up everybody on airplanes. That will definitely solve the problem. So so there's this there's this athletic event out of Florida for uh, disabled athletes. And uh, um, Ron DeSantis has, uh, ha- through executive order, said you, you can't mandate people in Florida doing whatever to get the COVID vaccine. And our very own uh, Dr. Joe Ladapo uh, weighed in on this. And just to remind people, uh, Joe Ladapo is a highly credentialed physician. He has both an MD and a PhD from Harvard Medical School. And he said the following, scientifically, it makes zero sense. How can you force people to take a vaccine in order to stop transmission when that vaccine is not effective at stopping transmission. He went on further to say that parents had the rights to question if their own children should be vaccinated. And he quote, and I quote, people will say, oh, you know, millions of people have taken these vaccines. They may, they must be safe, he said. Um, well, um, well, you can't know the answer to that when it is taboo to talk about having a reaction after these vaccines and when all information about vaccine injury has been shut down by the mainstream media, including reporting on the Vera system. So that was our very own Joel Ladapo bravely weighing in where no man has gone before. And of course, he's just brutalized on social media and legacy media about his comments. All he spoke was the truth. <laughs> if you read any of the caveats or or rejoinders that come from these pronouncements, such as everyone needs to get an injection before participating in fill in the blank, ballet competitions, sports events, theater, flights, they always say the same thing. And they always say it in this cavalier, 
non-supported, completely meaningless and false false narrative of words, the spewing of garbage, which is something along the lines of, because as we all know, the safest and most successful way to prevent infection and the spread of disease of viral illness is to get shots and wear masks and get tested, comma, we are going to implement the following. And no one ever questions that preamble. Nobody ever does. So when Dr. Ladapo comes out and states unequivocally and factually these shots do not prevent transmission of disease and they do not prevent the infection of disease. He is lambasted, not because he's saying something that's incendiary or he's stretching the truth. He's speaking exactly the truth and they can't take it. They can't handle the truth because that truthful statement demolishes every one of those preambles that people just swallow. They just swallow it like good medicine and they just nod. Like, you know, as I said earlier, like Dr. Peter McCullough said, people have swallowed enormous numbers of suppositions, enormous numbers of um, assumptions that remain not only unproven, they remain disproven. They are now disproven by Dr. Joseph Ladapo. And so when you have a, a man who comes out and states something that is so obvious and demolishes their whole argument, of course he becomes the target. This yep. is a, a black immigrant from Nigeria. <laughs> <laughs> You'd think he would be he would be Teflon, but even he can be attacked by the left. Because, That's right. Because, Reset. Yes. <laughs> oh, oops, he's black. I didn't know that. What are we going to call him now? Uh, misinformation denier. <laughs> well, I know. Let's let's beat up Jay Bhattacharya, and he was in the uh, newspaper today, Wall Street Journal, and uh, here's what he was talking about. Um, I've been a huge advocate of keeping schools fully open to in-person education, he said. And the White House director for COVID response, a guy named Ashish Jha, uh, came out and spreading misinformation. Dr. Jha asserted that COVID is a far greater risk to kids than the flu. And he used numbers. COVID killed more than 600 children in 2021, whereas flu, flu illness killed only 120. Jay Bhattacharya, of course, a highly credentialed physician himself, friend of ours, uh, one of the lead authors of the Great Barrington Declaration that he continues to stand by. He, he destroys this argument and is very critical of this Dr. Jaw for spreading literally misinformation. So he, here's what uh, Dr. Bhattacharya says. First of all, well, flu is seldom tested. Everyone and their mother admitted to the hospital for any reason whatsoever, I added in the mother, um, for <laughs> any reason gets tested for COVID. So between October 18 and September 19, 1.4 million flu tests were reported uh, to public health versus in that same time frame, 897 million COVID tests, 1.4 million flu tests, 897 million PCR tests for COVID. Quite a big difference. Second, the evidence from adult death certificates found that 35% of all pediatric deaths in 2020 had co-occurring diagnostic codes, meaning that in at least 35% of the pediatric COVID deaths, COVID could not be listed as the primary cause. And then finally, 
Uh, Dr. Um, Dr. Ja relies on a figure for confirmed flu deaths that is well known to underestimate actual flu deaths by an order of magnitude. Correcting for the lack of flu testing, the National Center for Immunization and Respiratory Disease estimated 1,161 pediatric flu deaths in the 2012-13 season rather than the 142 that um, that this doctor had reported. So the bottom line is this. They use this false information to spread lies that COVID somehow is the, the end-all things that we should worry about. Ladapo goes on to say that the biggest risk for children comes from disruption of their schooling um, and deaths that have occurred as a result of drug and alcohol and, and the like uh, um, fatality cases. So we're exaggerating for the purpose of, of pushing the flu shots, that uh, not flu shots, COVID shots, that they are now pushing on all our children they're trying to mandate it for children, which makes absolutely no sense. And expand it to under age five. Yep. I mean, why on God's name would we vaccinate a child that is not at risk for an illness using an experimental vaccine that has literally no long-term safety consequences? And they're pushing it on pregnant women as well. There's been no studies on pregnant women. They did a study that looked at pregnant rats as if somehow that translates to pregnant women. It makes no sense whatsoever. Children are not at risk. We need to leave our children alone. And this is activating our mama bears to fight back and to pull their kids out of school and to stand up and say, no, we will not tolerate it. Good. And I'm glad that it is. Yeah. Thank God. Thank God for that. So I hope you're right that during this election season, we're going to see the mama bears rise up, people that have never, ever run for election, run and win and take back this, take back this country from the bottom up this time, not looking for some politician at the top to save us. We need to save it from the ground up with a grassroots effort. That's right. Well, Mark, great to be with you again. Look forward to recording again. Uh, This was a great episode with a lot of good information. Um, Thanks for you fighting the good fight. And uh, we'll keep battling here in California until uh, until the lights go out. I'm not going anywhere yet. (laughs) You've been listening to Informed Dissent with Dr. Jeff Barkey, board certified primary care physician and Dr. Mark McDonald. Board-certified child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist. Informed Dissent, the intersection of healthcare and politics.